What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Groomer podcast. I'm your host, Alex Martin, and here we have a lifelong business owner. Andrew Fraser is the founder and owner of Doggy Zone. Since starting it right after high school, 18 years ago, yep, I'm going to age you a little bit, Andrew. He's built an award winning Maryland dog training resort, offering clients boarding, training, daycare, grooming, transportation, and retail products for their dogs. His business has been listed as one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. And we have him here today to learn a little bit more about growing a pet care business. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, man, you've got quite the story here. I mean, you've been at this for so long and obviously the fruits of your labor have paid off with you know being recognized nationwide. I mean, here I am sitting in Dallas, Texas, and I know who you guys are and getting you guys on the podcast. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. So I just want you to take us back to the beginning of this, though. I mean, so you left high school, if I read that right, and jumped right into pet care services. I mean, what the heck, man? Take me back to that time and why. Why would you do that? Yeah, so I actually, uh, while I was in high school, I was, uh, I would say, far from what you would call a star student. And uh, I was basically at a place where I was like, you know, I think I might drop out of high school. This is not for me. And I had one teacher who uh, said, hey, Andrew, you know, there's a program where you can go to work during school and not have to take foreign languages. And I was like, well, that sounds right up my alley. So that's that's what I decided to do. And it ended up working out that uh, I adopted a dog uh, my freshman year of high school and worked out. I got a job with Invisible Fence. Um, just doing work on, you know, with, with dogs, but also working in their office during high school. And so that's kind of what, uh, what kicked it off, really. Um, there was a, uh, not as big of a pet industry as we look at it today. Um, it was definitely an industry that was starting to kind of come together then. But um, I thought, you know, this could be something that I eventually like spend more time on. And that turned into me deciding uh, that I wanted to go to dog training school. Um, I had been working for Invisible Fence. I had spent a little time working for a veterinary clinic as a uh, vet tech assistant. And I met a dog trainer who said, yeah, there's a dog training school out in Columbus, Ohio. And um, I asked him, I was like, do you make like decent money doing this? And he was like, yeah, I am making six figures a year, um, you know? going to people's homes. And, and so that's kind of where it all started off. Like I had this dog in high school and I was having trouble with him and it kind of led me into, uh, into the pet industry and being able to uh, graduate high school and, and dive right into learning more about dog training and, and starting my own business. No, I mean, that's amazing. I love, uh, you know, so many of these successful business owners that we have on have started because they meet somebody who's doing well in the pet care space and they're like, wait a second, I can do that. Um, so it's really cool that you met a trainer that was doing six figures a year um, out, I would imagine where you were living on the East coast there. And uh, <clears throat> you know, you went to dog training school when you left dog training school, was it customary that you go start a dog training business or, you know, what, I guess when you leave there, what was your original plan? Was it to go and, and start your own business? I think that that was, that was definitely what I wanted to do. Um, 
but I also didn't have any business knowledge or, or real expertise. Like I didn't go to college for it. It wasn't, you know, the only experience I have is the fact that my dad was a business owner at one point during his life. And I got to, you know, kind of sit in the shadows of that. But um, yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, the, the part that I, uh, I look at and say, yeah, that was the thing that was the catalyst was, um, you know, being able to uh, basically get out of high school and go and do what I wanted to do was really what I was about. Like, so I didn't like just following the, the do the schoolwork thing. And so I, I knew I could get jobs working with dogs and I could gradually figure out how to run the business. And that's basically what I did. Like, it was just a side thing for me for the first year. I worked for Invisible Fence. I worked for PetSmart. I worked for a veterinary clinic. I got a lot of experience with other businesses, but also built great relationships with those businesses so that I was getting clients gradually through them. And I got to a certain point where my clients were all coming from other businesses, and I didn't really need to work there anymore. And I could 100% solely focus on growing the business and not not working for somebody anymore. No, I love that. And I mean, I love so much of what you did was a learn before I buy type of motto, right? It was, all right, you know, I know I want to run my own business, but I'm confident that I'll figure out the business stuff after I figure out how to become an experienced and skilled trainer. And so it was, hey, let me go learn how to do this with other businesses. Let me build those relationships, make those mistakes as I learn. And then when I'm ready to go, I know that I'll have not only the skills, but I'll have the clientele to actually go make it out on my own. Uh, was stepping away from all that scary, even though you had all the clientele then? Um, you know, it was um, it was scary just because it was unknown to me. Um, but I was really excited about it and probably like excited to the point that I was like, deceiving myself a little bit because I don't think that I um, really knew what kind of a shift that was going to mean in my life. And I think it took actually several years after making that switch for me to really see what type of impact it would have on my life. Um, so yeah, it was more exciting to me than scary, um, but there were definitely moments. Uh, luckily, I was I was kind of young at the time and didn't have a ton of bills. Um, I had a little bit of like safety around me because I was living at home when I first started. Um, but, you know, being 18 and then saying, yeah, I need to rent a house so that I can like have dogs that I can take home and train. That's when it started to get like, okay, this is, this is a little bit more scary because I'm, I'm committing myself more financially to it. And I think that that's where a lot of people, um, tend to get held up in like the growth of their business is the, the financial piece can be really scary for a lot of people. And if you're not confident in it, uh, it can really hold you back from making decisions that will actually really help you to grow and propel your business forwards. So um, yeah, I, I would say uh, more excitement than fear, um, but it's pretty common for people to have a lot of fear in that area. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's probably good to have some there. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's a, uh, you know, fear is the bandaid there for, for any, uh, you know, to prevent us from getting an injury, but it can also hold us back a little bit. Right. And, uh, you know, looking at your numbers and understanding that, Hey, this could be good for my business. This is what I want to do. 
um, sometimes it's okay to, to kind of blast past that fear and get right into that excitement. So bring us up to speed. You went from, you know, getting your own house slash facility, right, for training training dogs at home to now running, you know, a nationally recognized uh, store that has not only just training, but it has grooming, it has bathing, it has boarding, it has daycare, everything, right? And so bring us up to speed. How did we go from 18-year-old taking a big chance on himself at, you know, the corner house lot to a nationally recognized store? Yeah, so I mentioned, you know, renting a, a house, um, you know, shortly after graduating from high school. I started taking boarding trains um, where I would take the dog home with me for two weeks and do a, a training camp program with them. And I woke up one morning and I had like 15 or 20 dogs in my basement. I don't remember the exact number, but I was kind of like, yeah, this isn't really uh, that desirable anymore. Like, <laughs> I need some separation in my life. So I ended up buying uh, a house uh, when I was 21 that sat on 10 acres and had a separate building next to the house that I could keep the dogs in and I could do my training with them. And I could even start to do a little bit of boarding with dogs. And I did that for about a year. Um, and then we ended up finding ourselves in a position where we were growing more and if we wanted to continue doing what we were doing, we we're going to have to invest probably around 100 grand to do a special exception for zoning on the property. And I wasn't in the position to do that at the time. Um, you know, we were having success, but I wasn't ready to make those types of commitments. And we luckily were able to partner up with a veterinary hospital um, who had a basement that was basically empty. And we went and uh, rented the basement from them for about five years. And that was great uh, for about four of those five years until basically they started offering dog training right above our heads. And uh, we basically were in a position where we were like, okay, the person that we're renting from is competing against us now. And we rent from them and we're in their building. We gotta get the heck out of here. Yeah, um, <laughs> you got a fox in the hen house there. Totally, totally. And it was very challenging because, you know, getting a space that you can board dogs, there's a lot of challenges around zoning that you really need to, to be able to, to tackle. Um, and a lot of them are not facts. Um, but we were luckily able to find a space. Um, it was 30 miles south of where we were located. So significant distance for most of our clients. Um, the rent was six times what we were spending, but I said, you know what, like sometimes if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not worth pursuing. And I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I've got a team of five people who are all deeply committed. And if we do this, I think it will work out. Um, I had banks turning me down for loans to do it. Um, I had people telling me, Andrew, like, this is kind of crazy and kind of scary and dangerous because um, it's such a huge commitment going from 2,000 square feet to 12,000 square feet is a big jump. Uh, but we did it and we started off in that space, um, just offering boarding and daycare and training. Um, after about two years or so, we, we, I guess we were doing a little bit of dog dating uh, at that point too. Uh, but no professional, you know, haircut, grooming, um, 
not really salon type of services, just kind of wash and dry, uh, send it home, clean from boarding type of work. And I told uh, my team, I was like, we're never going to do dog grooming. I don't want to get into that because I don't have a ton of experience with it. And um, I don't want to get into something that I'm not really confident in. And that was my attitude for quite some time until we hired somebody who was a professional groomer that wanted to just work in our pet care department. And um, not too long after that, I was pretty impressed with her performance. And I said, I'll give you a shot. We'll, we'll give this grooming a try. And um, she ended up being instrumental in you know, us getting grooming going. Um, so we added grooming to the business. Uh, last year, we opened a full retail store. Um, that uh, was about a 5,000 square foot expansion uh, to our existing space. And so we've uh, definitely gone through a lot of evolution, um, to say the least. We now we have a retail store, we do it yourself, dog washes inside, we've got a professional salon in there. Um, and, you know, definitely a, uh, a, a fun business. Uh, no, I love that. I love hearing the evolution of all the locations. And if anything, that tells me that, you know, no location is permanent. If you need to move because your business is running out of space or the finances aren't penciling out, then move. You know, you you did it so many times and I'm sure it was a pain in the butt every single time. But you're here today and you've got a nationally recognized store, right? And I don't know if you could have got here without taking that chance every single time of moving to these, you know, imperfect locations, let's call them, right? You knew at the time they weren't going to be a perfect spot, um, right. but, you know, you took that chance and that, that shot anyways. Um, am I wrong or did I read somewhere that your store is an old auto shop? Yeah, the, uh, the resort building was a transmission shop. That's awesome. Um, and yeah. what was that build out like to get it from, you know, an old transmission shop to a, uh, you know, pet, you know, pet resort boutique type of feel? Yeah. So, I mean, really, um, we had a great landlord who had cleaned the building up really well and had the building very well painted before we moved in, at least on the interior. Um, they had, you know, had to repair a lot of concrete and, you know, they invested quite a bit of money into the building and I did not have much time. Um, I was moving out of my other building. I had given notice. I, I needed to make this happen quickly. So I think we had about 90 days to actually get it all done. And, um, you know, I had spent a lot of time at other industry events and I've talked to lots of vendors and I, I knew all of the perfect finishes and fixtures that I wanted in the building. And I kind of came to the conclusion that like it was more about function over fashion and I just needed the space to work. And so we you know, made some decisions on our materials that allowed us to move at a faster pace. Um, you know, we used vinyl fencing in our daycare areas so that we weren't having to put up walls, which would have required, you know, more permitting and more electrical. Sure, you know, sure. You know, I love it. I love it. The 90-day build-out here to go from transmission shop to pet salon. I mean, truly anything's possible, man. It really comes down to, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're lowering your bar. It's just you're making decisions that a business owner needs to make you know i'd yeah. love for it to be you know walls and soundproof and all that stuff but right now we have customers that are relying on us we need to make decisions so that we have a space for them 
Yeah, we, we didn't have air conditioning when we moved into the building. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we, we got it within like 30 or 45 days of moving in, but, you know, it was definitely what I would call bootstrapping. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's what you have to be too when you start one of these businesses or even just move locations. You've got to be scrappy and you've got to be flexible and ready to roll with the punches. But the one thing you cannot fold on is letting your customers down. And it seems like you were able to maintain that high standard of service. Um, let's get into it a little bit because a lot of people that we have on or a lot of people that listen to our podcast don't have all the different services that you guys do. So I'm really curious, you know, from an outsider, tell me what goes into a offering all those services. And really, I think we want to know, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to tack on, you know, a retail shop to our grooming salon? Is it worth it to tack on daycare, boarding, that sort of stuff? Um, so what goes into it and, you know, are one of the modules really crushing it where you're like, no, I would really consider offering that. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it really comes down to like, what is your, your true vision, uh, for your business? Um, you know, we've been building doggy zone as kind of this place that's just like all about dogs. And if you love dogs then there's something that you're going to, you're going to enjoy with our company. Um, with all of the different lines of business that we have, it is not a simple business structure. Um, it is not something that I would recommend for even all people. I think that, you know, the benefit that we had starting off was we were really good at dog training and we had that mastered. So when we came in, we already were really good at one thing and we were able to add these other things on and it wasn't a huge hurdle to jump over. It wasn't a ton of new stuff to learn. And when we added things like grooming, we were able to kind of do it um, without having a ton of pressure on us. We were able to just kind of take our time and build it. Um, I do think that having multiple departments or classes or business areas, however you want to define them, uh, really provides a lot of stability to your business. Um, everybody experiences the seasonality that pet industry has. You know, the services may have different seasonality, but you know, blending those together really does help to you know give you stronger revenue throughout the year. Um, you know, there's certainly a big difference in margin between some of the services, but at the end of the day, um, you know, having that blend just gives more stability. I like to say one of anything is dangerous. So if you have one service and that service is, you know, dependent on, we'll say, a van uh, to pick up and drop off and you only have one van and something happens to that van, well, there goes your revenue for the day uh, right. with that, that service. So that's something to just keep in mind. Um, but I think that it is really good to, to niche down, get really good at one or two things, and then gradually add to that to provide stability. I like that. Uh, the way I think about that is you have a main service that is your core tenant. It's how you get clients, what your clients know you buy. Uh, but you have other pegs of the stool that offset the seasonality maybe of that main service or if anything were to happen. You know, maybe it's not one. Maybe you have three groomers and, you know, one of them's out out for the day or something like that. You're not going to feel that burden as much if you have diversified service offerings. Um, and I love what you're saying about just having, you know, you can niche down and have one as your core. That's what's going to bring your clients. That's what people are going to know you as. 
uh, and you just offer the other ones as kind of a, you know, maybe secondary to start. I'm curious, you mentioned there are different margins that come into running each of them. I don't know if you know them off the top of your head, but even if we were to just talk in ranges, you know, give us give us an idea. Is there one of them that is, you know what, this is the best margins. You know, we make the most and it costs us the least. And this is kind of the the tightest margins. They're not the worst, but this yeah. is the tightest where we can't really have many errors in this department. Yeah. So I think, you know, we definitely see in our dog training and boarding um, that that does tend to have some of the, the highest margin. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, retail is is definitely one of our lowest margin things. But this year, I mean, just looking at how our business has just been affected by, you know, the economy and, and things are just different this year than it has been for many years. Um, I'm so thankful to have retail as an offering because it's actually uh, grown for us quite significantly. In fact, we doubled the size of our retail department this year um, and it's our second year. Um, we've got services that are, are having a hard time keeping up with last year. So, um, you know, you're thankful for, for certain things at certain times, but um, grooming also is, is lower margin for us. Um, I, I believe that, like, we could probably do some things to improve that. Um, but, you know, we um, really kind of are trying to keep our, our grooming program pretty simple right now. Um, we're not, we're trying to keep it simple and avoid it from getting complicated. Um, I'm really good at complicating things. So, uh, I'm, that's a big focus for me and like just my business right now is, is simplification. Sure. So, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how these services play together. Is it oftentimes that you find someone comes in for boarding and they end up buying something in the retail shop and doing the self-wash station or the other way around. Maybe they come in through grooming and they see that you guys have boarding and training as well and they end up, you know, purchasing those. Did, did the services cross sell together well or is it pretty independent, um, you know, per customer? So we have some clients that come to us and they just have the one thing that they come to us for. Uh, grooming can be one of those things where they, you know, have a very particular desire and uh, whether that's around the person who's cutting their dog's hair or the type of cut that they get when they bring their dog to us. Um, so I would say um, with grooming, we see we see the most of that where they will kind of stay in that lane um, and a little bit with training as well. But we do find that, for example, if somebody's coming in and boarding with us, they'll likely end up doing grooming with us. Um, if they're doing training with us, um, it's likely that, you know, they'll do daycare with us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they do naturally cross promote pretty well. Um, but we analyzed like our, our database a while back and we were shocked to see how many people there were that weren't utilizing all of the services. But at the end of the day, we, um, we, we don't expect that everybody's going to use everything. Um, but our goal is, to allow that person to not have to go to all the other places that they would typically have to go to get anything that they need in one spot. And that may only be, you know, two or three things that they're looking to use. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, it's really interesting how cross-selling works because all you're doing is you're, you're basically selling your trust one time, but their average order value 
is increasing, right? Because instead of just, if you were to just offer dog training, you still have to have them trust you the same as if you were offering five different services. But if it's just dog training, you can only make what they're going to pay you for dog training versus if you offer retail, you offer grooming, you offer boarding, you can make all of those other, you know, the revenue from all those other services, but all you're doing is selling them, quote unquote, your trust that one time. So I think having, again, multiple service offerings, even if you just have one as your core, it, it only gets easier. You make more money per customer. And I, I think that's that's something that's really cool about your guys' business. And it is really this kind of one-stop shop. Um, now, you said, you, said uh, you have a habit of overcomplicating things. With all of these different modules, I better... I mean, I, I imagine and I hope that you guys have some sort of like good management system set up. Walk us through what role technology plays in your guys' business. Do you guys have scheduling softwares? Do you have booking softwares? Talk to me about technology in your business today. Yeah, we have a love-hate relationship with technology. <laughs> like I think most people do, but you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the overlay here. So there's no perfect CRM uh, that that we found, and I think that I've used a very large majority of them over the past 18 years. I know I've used at least five companies, um, and we finally have just you know decided to stay where we are. But we have a CRM that runs all of our resort services, um, so that's our you know our training, our daycare, our boarding, our grooming, um, and then we have a, a CRM that runs all of our our retail store, our do-it-yourself dog wash. Um, home delivery and pickup. Okay, so let me Sorry. pause you right there, real quick. Sure. CRM is that customer relationship manager. It's a yes. software that manages basically your customer interactions. If you don't mind, you said you had two different CRMs: one that kind of owns the retail side of your business, and one that owns the training, the the boarding. I believe you said the other. Yes. It seems like the services side. Correct. Can you can you put some names behind those softwares, um, just so our audience can yeah, do some so digging if they want to? Uh, we're using Ginger for the resort side of our business, and we use Retail Pet um, for the retail side of our business. Okay, so, Roger that. And we've been with uh, Ginger for probably about four years. I think we switched to them in 2018. Got it. Um, and we've, we've decided to stay for the time. Yeah, oh, of course, of course. And talk to me about, uh, you know, you guys have quite the operation here, and you've survived for almost two decades you've obviously built something that's pretty resilient. So, and, and that I think is also recognized in your guys' award for one of the fastest growing companies. I would imagine there's a trend behind both here. You know, there's a reason why not only you guys are resilient, but you guys are one of the fastest growing companies. Can you speak to us a little bit about what you might think that is? What makes you guys so resilient and also nationally recognized? I think a lot of it uh, comes down to um, the fact that we put a lot of emphasis on mindset in our company, um, you know, to get to where we are, um, it's taken a lot of growth and growth is something that's not just professional. Uh, in fact, I'd say it's more personal than professional. And over the years, um, I've gone from focusing on professional growth and becoming a better dog trainer to more personal growth. And as I've done that, I think that that's uh, really started to become part of our culture and our organization. 
Um, one of our core values as a company is to pursue growth and drive continuous improvement, uh, which I, I frequently tell people when we're you know recruiting to hire people into our company. We'll do a, a hiring event and we'll have 10 people in the room and they'll tell them, you know, if you're not growing, you're you're dying. Um, you know, you're going backwards because somebody else is is learning and moving forwards. And so we really tried to make growth, uh, personal growth, uh, a big part of our, our culture. And I think that that's what has allowed our team members uh, to thrive. And when team members are thriving, the clients are going to get a better experience. And that's ultimately going to drive the organization forwards like it has for us. Um, and it's allowed us to make very big decisions and not feel immense amount of fear around making those decisions, like taking over 5,000 square feet during the middle of COVID. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so, it's right, because growth is rewarded and taking, you know, you can't grow without taking chances. And if that is part of your culture, or hey, we actually, we reward growth. And we understand that with growth, there's going to be some setbacks. But at the end of the day, we're in it for the long haul. So growth is positive and it's i think again it's it, it's it speaks to how resilient you guys have been through covid through 2008 and everything like that right i mean you guys have been around for a long time now um and i think that's a core tenant of that uh, i really appreciate you sharing with that uh sharing us with that i mean that is amazing um lastly as we kind of wrap up here what's next for you guys i mean you i you know you guys have moved so many times it seems like you keep growing this thing it's a rocket ship is it, you know, are you eyeing getting more locations together? Are you eyeing just more service offerings at your one location? Kind of what, what's kind of this next step that you guys are looking to take? Yeah, I think we, um, you know, we're pretty happy in our location uh, that we have right now. Um, I don't expect that that location will get, you know, too much bigger in size or that will, you know, ever move that location. It's really become simple in that, um, that geographic area. Um, you know, for us, it's it's uh, additional locations. Uh, we are right now for the last two years, two and a half years, um, we've been under contract and working on developing uh, a piece of property for a second location. Uh, so we have plans to build a twenty-three thousand square foot second location, um, basically in the backyard of where we were located uh, before we opened this one. Uh, we get back in the neighborhood where. We had a lot of clients that we kind of felt like we had to leave, uh, you know, about eight years ago. So that's uh, that's kind of the next step for us. And, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a long process. So tell me, tell me why you guys decided to build versus buy. Well, so we we bought the property. Um, you know, it was something that we we had under contract so that we could get our special exceptions and our site plans and everything you know approved through the county before we purchased the property. Um, you know, we've gotten through all of that. We closed on the property earlier this year, and you know, we're just kind of in a a planning phase right now, um, deciding you know how we want to phase the project and when we want to start. There's a lot of uncertainty in the uh, economy right now, and so we're not uh, rushing to to do something right now today. Um, but um, we're we're just kind of seeing how the chips fall right now, and uh, my my guess is we'll do something before 2025. Amazing, amazing. And uh, Andrew, we'll wrap things up there. Tell us if people wanted to get a hold of you to either ask questions or even just come visit one of you guys' facilities. Uh, what's you know, what's the best place for people to learn about, um, you know, what those are and, and where to get a hold of you guys? 
Yeah, so I mean, you can certainly follow me or Doggy Zone on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we're always posting pictures, and um, you know, I like to. Sometimes I get inspired on a run and like to start sharing, uh, you know, my my latest thoughts. Um, but you can also check out our website, which is doggyzone.com, and uh, see what we're doing there. And uh, we definitely welcome tours at our facility, and uh, love to, you know. Especially with other professionals, I like to do those uh, tours myself, so I can get a chance to meet them, and uh, yeah, hopefully be able to help you out as you uh, progress forward. Awesome. And where in Maryland are you guys at, Andrew? We're in Rockville, so Rockville. about twenty-five minutes outside of Washington D.C. Amazing, amazing. All right. So if you guys ever find yourself in Maryland, hit up Andrew. If you can't figure out how to get a hold of Andrew, you guys can reach out to me. Um, you guys know how to do that. Andrew, we really, really appreciate you coming on today and sharing all this valuable information on how you've built Doggy Zone to be one of the fastest growing companies in the nation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with the newest facility. Um, and that's the podcast. Yes.